Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, family, last week we started a series called Choose Joy. Choose Joy and Y'all, I'm excited for this series. God has done a lot in my heart just preparing for this series throughout the summer and even throughout the last week as I've been getting into the message today. And um, just reminiscing a little bit last week where we talked about how, how to choose joy. And we talked about this. We had this candid conversation on suffering, myself and, and Pastor Steve Coble here at our church. I'm excited. It's cool to say that because he joined our staff. And, um, and man, it got good that we can have new staff and people jump in with us here in the midst of a pandemic. God is doing something at Renew. And I want you to keep being reminded of that. He's not done with us yet, y'all. And I've been saying that and I'm going to say it again today. He ain't done, even though it looks like things are falling apart all around us that joy resides in Jesus and so as I've been saying let's continue to choose joy but remember last week we said choosing joy isn't just believing by faith it's intentionally making a choice to believe God and to choose him intentionally and run after him day after day after day so let's choose God together let's choose joy if you got a Bible, go ahead and meet me in Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be in that text this morning, and we're going to read verses 12 through 26. So meet me there in Philippians chapter 1. I'll give you a few seconds or so. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. If you missed last week, I need you to go on and check that out. The conversation we had last week was amazing. God showed up, and I pray that you enjoyed it. And you've been looking forward to this week as much as I have. So Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. If you got it, go ahead and write got it in the chat and let's get to it. Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12. The text reads, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers have become confident, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is with my eager expectation and hope that I will not be ashamed, but that with all full, with full courage now, as always, will be honored in my body, whether uh, by life or by death for me to live as Christ. And to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, remember this family, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two, 
My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in all the faith. So that in time, and in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Very word of God, amen. Today I want to preach on suffering for another's good. Suffering for another's good. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, even now, God, I ask that you would speak with my mouth, that you would think with my mind, that you would enter me, God, and decrease me so that you may increase in this place. Father, I pray that you'd have your way. Hide me behind your cross as I pray every week and let your word fall afresh on your people this morning. Father, we need you. We need you, God. So speak, Lord. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all said together, amen and amen. Well, friends, throughout the course of history, there have been many studies and many historical accounts of people that have suffered, people that have been going through hard times. And it always intrigues me. It always intrigues me of the people that when they're going through suffering, it's not always something that it's revolving around their own person or is something that has to do with them, but they've chosen to suffer for someone else's sake. See, it always intrigues me that of the person that suffers for someone else's good. It reminds me of Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman was a black woman who was a slave that escaped to the North to be free, but only to go back to the South a number of different times so that other black people could experience freedom just like her. It's been said that she helped free upward of 3,000 slaves, never ever losing one, carrying babies in her hands. She would travel through the snow, through the water, through through the mud, through the muck and the mire. They would be chased by dogs. They would be shot at all so that they can experience freedom. She'd be called Moses because just like Moses, she would free her people from slavery and take them to a place that they never could imagine. And it's because of people like Harriet that myself and folks that look like me can experience the freedoms that we do today. But the intriguing part in all of this, as I read about Harriet Tubman, as I learned about her as a young kid, and I read books, and I've seen the movie now, the thing is that, y'all, she didn't have to go back to the South. She was already free, but instead she chose to suffer and put herself in harm's way for someone else. I hope you're tracking with me. Friends, today in our text, Paul, he's letting us know that that when we choose God, in essence, when he's choosing God, he, he shows us that, that as you choose God and joy in the midst of suffering, it not only is for your good and God's glory, but that the suffering is also for the good of other people. To get Today, again, I want to talk about suffering for another person's good. You with me? All right, let's jump in. 
By way of reminder, uh, during the writing of Philippians, my man Paul is penning this letter while he's sitting in the, a prison cell. He's sitting in this prison cell for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, he's, he's been persecuted. He's writing to the Philippian church, urging them to keep going. He's saying, don't stop. He's encouraging them in a time of need of, of much persecution. He's saying, don't stop believing and don't stop spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Keep going. And then he lets them know that Although when you look around at your situation, and we can say the same, when you're looking around at your situation, and even for them, he said, and you see my situation, and I, I'm locked in prison, there's easy, it, it's easy to think that there's something better out there. There's, there's other hope someplace else. I, I, I need to run to this, or I should run to that. I can find fulfillment there, or I can find satisfaction here. And Paul is trying to help them. He said, no, 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 no. God is not done with you yet. Don't give up now. He's not done. Continue to choose God. Choose joy. Hence the name of this series. He says in Philippians 1, 6, if you remember from last week, look at it with me. He says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Family, just as Paul is saying these words to this church a couple millenniums ago, hear me, hear me, it may look different and the situation may be different for them than it is today, but hear me, the choice is still the same. The choice to choose God or to choose joy is still the same choice today. This truth still rings true for Christians. When faced with this looming, if you want to say elephant in the room of COVID-19 and all the thoughts and the fears start to enter your mind and enter your heart, don't run somewhere else in the midst of that. Don't run to this place that's fleeting or, or temporal uh, for that joy or satisfaction or that fulfillment. No, 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 no. let's choose God. Choose joy. When faced with the racial tensions that overrun our country and have done so for centuries on top of centuries, don't loot and shoot and run to other extremes. Y'all, it saddens me what's happening in our city. That's not the way. No, no, what we should do, what we can do is let, what, let's ask God, God, how have you fought against injustice? Matter of fact, let's pick up the word of scripture and let's look through all of the pages of scripture, looking at how God has fought for the marginalized. He's reached across lines for the downcast. He He's written over 2,300 verses for the, for the downtrodden, the orphan, the widow, and the poor. Or, or, or as a matter of fact, maybe that's not enough for you. Let's look to the Gospels and, and let's look at Jesus' life, how we always cross lines with other people to get across that line because he went to the downcast. He said, I didn't come to the ones that needed a doctor. I, come to the, I, I didn't come to the one to say they don't need a doctor. He said, I'm coming to the ones that need a doctor. He talks to the woman at the well who is of a different race. In John chapter 4, he stops in the midst of a crowd to talk to the woman with the blood problem when nobody else would speak to her. No, no, no. All throughout Scripture, Jesus stops and fights and speaks to the, the marginalized, the downcast. He fights for them. He stands up against injustice. So, so 
so, so instead of us running to other streams, what, what does it look like to follow the footsteps of Jesus? Family, you see where I'm going with all this. You know, y'all fill in the blank with whatever's playing in your mind, whatever's playing in your heart, and it's causing you to be down and act or act erratic. Hear me, instead of just chasing after something fleeting or temporal, choose joy. In essence, as I said last week, we must make an intentional choice to choose to run after God. This is what Paul is encouraging and urging the Philippian church to do right here in the scripture. He's saying, choose joy. Choose God. See, looking at our text today, Paul begins in verses 12 through 18 by talking about his imprisonment and, and how it has served to promote Christ, saying that people have become bold and confident to preach Christ because of my imprisonment. Which, hear me, is a quick reminder for us today because people are always watching what we do. They're always watching what you do as a Christian or as a leader. And, and, and hear me, they don't, they're not necessarily concerned with when you, how you act when things are going well. Like, you're all fine and daddy. No, no, no. They're watching you when your back is against the wall. When the bottom of life seems to fall out, when you're like a rock stuck in between a hard place, you know, they want to see what happens. How do you react then? Paul says, it's because of how I reacted and I stayed faithful in my time of imprisonment that others have been encouraged. Now, Christian, let me ask you, if I was to take a snapshot of your life right now in the midst of COVID-19 in this season, what would I see? What will we see? Will we see someone who's faithful? Or will we see a counterfeit? I know I stepped into someone's kitchen there. And that doesn't mean that we don't waver, we don't mess up. But are you constantly pursuing Christ? That is the question. Paul continues and he quickly speaks of people preaching Christ out of selfish motivation and some preach out of love and understanding in his imprisonment. He says these verses, I think people read over them too quickly and they suspect, well, Paul, when he's saying this, they're preaching from envy and preaching out of rivalry and all this and that. They must just be preaching the wrong gospel and then, but Paul says, as long as it's Christ, you know, it, I'm cool with it. It's as if saying, Paul is saying, you know, if they preach a false gospel, I don't care. As long as they got Jesus somewhere up in the sentence, I'm good with it. Now, come on now. Paul, the church planner of church planner, apostle of apostle, the, the guy with five PhDs, the dude who's smarter than ever. We see in his writings, all my Bible scholars, you know that this isn't Paul's way of doing things. No, no, you read throughout the book of Galatians and Paul is railing against false theology and, and he's, he's railing against this false gospel. He even calls his, his fellow apostle Peter out, his brother in the faith. He's like, look, look, Peter, you over there sitting with them Jewish people acting like the, 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 the Gentiles should be saved. Like God didn't call us to them. You preach to the Gentiles and then you go eat with the Jews and say, no, no, I don't care about them Gentiles. He said, no, 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 Peter. That's not the way we do this. He calls him out. So we know that Paul is not for preaching a false gospel. So if that's not the case, then what is Paul actually talking about here in this text? 
Paul is saying that there are some out there that are not necessarily preaching a false gospel, but yet they're totally against me. They don't like me. So although they're preaching the gospel, they're preaching against me. Friends, this blew my mind because Paul's attitude here in this text is extraordinary. I mean, he not only is in a prison cell and probably battered and bruised, if you know how history worked and how they did that back then, but yet he's got people talking crazy about him on top of that, preaching to the masses talking about him. Could you imagine? And yet Paul's like, you know, it is, it's all good. As long as they preach Christ, I, I'm good with it. My wife sent me uh, this song this week, and it had me cracking up, had me rolling on the floor laughing because in the song, kind of talking about this, he's, the artist says this, listen to this, he says, try Jesus, not me, because I throw hands. <laughs> he says, try Jesus, but please don't try me because I fight. Try Jesus, and I know what they say about being slapped, but he says, you touch me or mine, then we gonna scrap. Try Jesus, not me. Y'all, it's hilarious. I'm listening to the song, I'm like, this man. And, 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 and the reason it's so funny is because if we're honest, that's how many of us think. That's how many of us think, especially in the midst of a pandemic. We're on, we're kind of on edge all the time, myself included. And there's this part of us that says, look, if you try me, it's going to be a problem. But when you read this text, you look at verse 18, Paul says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Paul says, basically, regardless of what is happening to me or how others treat me, that doesn't matter. He says, whether it's for my good or it's not for my good, I'm still going to rejoice because Christ has been preached. Friends, don't miss that. This is Paul choosing joy because instead of focusing on other things and other his circumstances, he says Jesus is better. His glory is all that matters. I will choose God regardless. Family again. I will choose God. Choose joy. This song leads to verse 19 through 26 where Paul begins to give praise and thanks to the Philippian church because he knows that no matter what, no matter what happens, he said, he says, look, 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 I know that it's been your prayers. I know that it's been your love that has kept me through this trying time. I love his words as he encourages them and he praises them. He says that it's your prayers that will turn out for my deliverance. Now, let me pause and let me ask you all, Listen to me, I need y'all to answer this one. How many of you know that if it had not been for the prayers of someone else, you wouldn't be where you are today? You know, I look back over my life and I, I, can, 
I, I look back and I, 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 I look at where I could have been and what could have happened to me. And I'm so thankful that God has kept me and God has protected me. But on the other side, I also know that I had a grandmother that prayed over me and my whole family for protection without me even knowing it. And she instilled a faith in me simply by walking her faith out in front of me, going to church every week and allowing, allowing me to see that as a kid. I know I have a praying mom, a mom that prayed over me from the time I was born, knowing that just because of the color of my skin and my stature and build as a young black man, I could be seen as a threat. She prayed over me, showered me with prayer. I know that I have a praying wife that keeps me showered every day and every hour of the day, even with me, no, without knowing it. She showers me, even just speak it over me. And because of her prayers, I am the man that God has called me to be. And I continue to be that because she keeps praying for me. She keeps lifting me up to pray. How, how many of y'all know, family, that if it had not been for somebody else praying for you, you wouldn't be where you are today. Paul says, it is your prayers that have kept me with the help of the Holy Spirit, I, I know that it will soon bring about my deliverance. It says, because of your prayers, I, I will be delivered. But herein lies the tension in Paul's writing in the text. Now, follow me with this one, because one has to ask, is Paul speaking of a temporal deliverance, like from prison, or is he speaking of an eternal deliverance where he leaves his life and he's with his father in heaven, God, forever and ever? Well, he answers this as you keep reading in the text in the next several verses. Hear me. This is an intentional tension that Paul speaks of. He points out in the text. This is the, this is the tension of the Christian. This is the tension we live in. It, it is the tension of the now and the not yet. It is the tension of the now and what is to come. It's that tension of the now and the not yet. What I am saying is that to be Christian one has to grasp hold of something large or something that, that, that they can stand on. See, somebody, so, someone has, you got to hold on to hope in the midst of trying times like today, but you also got to know what's right around the corner, what lies ahead. I, I hope you're sticking with me because here's the thing. I, I believe that some of us miss the joy in the trials we're having today because we forget about the deliverance or we're not able to see what's around the corner. I know I'm stepping into someone's kitchen right now. I hope you're with me. And I know some of y'all are missing it because you forgot to amen. Y'all hear me, let me break it down. Let me make it a little bit more plain for you. It, it's sort of like riding a roller coaster. I love roller coasters. I know I'm, I, I've told you about them before. I still think about it as a kid sitting in hours sitting in line for hours to ride on that Batman ride at, at Great America. But I love roller coasters, and, and roller coasters, they, sometimes they're, they're not all that enjoyable. They can be really scary, and, but you can yell and you can scream, or some of them you're, you're screaming and yelling, and then some of them you got your hands up in the air, some of them you're crying, some of, <laughs> some of them you're laughing, some of you are smiling. I mean, but, but at the end of it, somehow, we can get off and we can high five and we can be like, we enjoyed it. How is this? The crazy loops and the turns, you still enjoy something so crazy. Hear me, I, I think the creators 
of roller coasters. The architects actually, they, they, they tapped into something that would allow us to go through all the twists and turns of this roller coaster, but yet at the same time still enjoy it. Watch this. Stay with me. Follow me. Most roller coasters either allow you to see where the roller coaster is ending or exits while you're walking through the line, or when you're getting on the roller coaster, you actually will get off in that same place. I hope you're following with me. Following with me. See, see, what happens is that unconsciously, the sight of knowing you will get off this crazy ride allows you to have fun while in the twist and the turns of the roller coaster. I know that's good. It, hopefully you're with me. I, I, I mean, could you imagine <laughs> getting on a never-ending roller coaster? No, no, nobody would ever wait in line for a never-ending roller coaster. But when one is privy to or one has the sight of the ending while getting on the ride, it allows you to enjoy the craziness of the ride. I hope you didn't miss it because this is exactly what Paul is trying to get at here in the text. He's saying that although I don't enjoy my present circumstance right now, I will rejoice and be glad in it because whether it's by life or by death, through my belief in Jesus Christ, I know that I will be delivered. How many of us believe that this morning? How many of you believe that? That God has got me. No matter what, and even when I can't see the ending, Jesus has already told me in John chapter 16, verse 33, that the world would not get easier, but yet it would be hard. So he says, take heart, because I've already overcome the world. And, and here's the good news we see in the book of Acts that, that Jesus, as those angels tell the disciples as they're looking on, one day he's coming back. That's good news. Family, if we're honest, therein lies the problem. Because for too many of us, as we said last week, Steve and I were talking, our happiness is only is wrapped up in our happenings. So if things are going well, it's all grand, it's fine and dandy, but when when the bottom falls out, we're wrecked. Friends, let me remind you, our joy is something that's not found in what's happening to us or around us. But for the Christian, our joy is found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus, who is unshakable. Jesus, the one who created us, the one who walked among us, the one who endured temptation without sin, who died for our sins on a cross. Then he took those sins to the grave once and for all and defeated sin and death. And then he rose with power in his hands three days later. Family, that is where the Christian's joy resides. It resides in Jesus. Hear me, choose God. Choose real joy that's only found in Jesus. But I know someone still... You're scratching their head. You're looking at this text and you're saying, well, how can Paul rejoice, Pastor D? I, I mean, look, look, he's in prison. People are talking crazy about my man. How, how in the world can he rejoice? He is actually suffering. He, he's really going through it. Well, look at back at the text in verse 21. 
Paul says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Paul, again, here, he's making this reference to this tension of the now and not yet. He's saying that if I die, it would be for my benefit because I would be freed from the world. I'd be freed from all the problems and I would go to live with my father in heaven forever and ever. But if I stay, if I live, I'm going to live and I'm going to serve Christ by serving others and hopefully bringing more people into the kingdom of God. It's for the benefit of others. Now, now don't, don't miss this. By Paul stating that to live is Christ, he's not only saying I need to live like Christ, but he's also recognizing the fact that Christ has already come before him and walked the road he's traveling. Watch this. So, so, so in essence, Paul is saying that, that, that to live as Christ does not only mean I will suffer, but I can also rejoice in my suffering because Christ has already done this thing before me. Ah, y'all missing it. So, so, so hear me again. Me living what he's saying isn't just me suffering because Christ has already overcome the world, but in me living, I now give glory to God and also allow others to see the same hope or experience the same joy I have now if they believe because then, watch this, when they see me living through my suffering and they see Jesus, although they possibly will be suffering themselves, now that they know Jesus, they now can experience the same hope and the same joy that I have in Jesus, now, not, not only just now, but forevermore, all throughout eternity. Y'all, that's good news. That's what Paul's getting at. Paul further explains this because he's like, I don't know if everybody's going to get what I'm saying. In verses 20 through to 26, he says, while I'm here, I, I will rejoice. I live on rejoicing in my suffering because of my suffering. God is glorified and others come to know him. And it leaves us with the question of, are we living as Christ? It's a simple question. It's tough, though. Are we living as Christ? And let me end with this. I used to do a little construction back when I was in college and I came to love it, like to work with my hands and, and do different things and fix things. And, and while I was working on construction, I, I started just researching architecture and I started to read up on the architect and I, I read that the architect, he, he's the one that will write up the plan. He's the one that draws up the design and he's also the one that will oversee the construction site until completion. I kept reading about him and I learned that he he earned an advanced degree, which qualified him a lot more, and he himself will not do any of the building. He's professionally trained to make sure that every facet of this building that's erected would be safe for people to use. Now hear me, the word architect comes from the Latin word, or is derived from the Latin word architectus, which comes from the Greek word architecton. Now, if you break down this Greek word architecton and into two parts, the first word archi actually means chief. The last part tecton means builder. Now, when you put it together, you get 
chief builder. Architect time means chief builder. Now stay with me, I promise I'm coming to your neighborhood. This architect or chief builder would then hire a man called the foreman. The foreman who would be the person that's expected to know everything. He's an expert over everything that needs to be done. He's the one who watches over the project until it's finished. He, he would follow the architect's designs and orders to a T while also watching over the workers, making sure they worked diligently and they followed the, the directions of the architect. He works alongside and directs the workers at the same time. Now stay with me because lastly, this architect would hire some workers who would follow his plan and work under the direction of the foreman. Now, I know some of y'all are missing this because you missed your amen. See, let me make it plain a bit for you because I know somebody has, is listening right now. You're watching this service and, and you're having a hard time choosing joy. You're having a hard time living for Christ. Well, hear me, friends. This is where I bring it home for you. We have a master architect a chief builder, and his name is Jesus Christ, whose name is higher than any other name, who has already laid out all of the blueprint. He's drawn up the design. He's left us with the foreman, the Holy Spirit, who will walk alongside us and work alongside us, and he's hired us on to follow his building plan, to be the workers, to help erect the kingdom of God. And hear me, if we follow the blueprint of God, the one that he has laid out for us, we will not only experience an immense amount of joy in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our trials and this thing we call life. But guess what? If we walk according to his plan, we will see lives change and we will see the cities change and we will see the world change for the glory of God. We live in his Christ. It's the question. Family, hear me. Let's choose God. Let's choose joy in this season let us live as Christ did, knowing that our suffering is for his good, for our good, and for the good of another person. Now, with that, I, I know someone's listening and you're saying, Pastor D, I don't, I don't know this joy. I, I've never placed my faith in Jesus Christ. I've never given my life to him. Well, hear me, Romans 10, 9 says, Simply, if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we'll be saved. Won't you believe with me today? Let's choose joy and let's run after God together. If you just confess that prayer, then we would love to pray with you. If you're online right now with us and you need prayer, Hit the button at the bottom. There's a link in, in one of the platforms, whichever platform you're on. If you can't find the link, you can, you can text 224-216-4062. We would love to pray with you right now. Family, hear me. I know it's tough right now. But let's choose God. And let's choose joy. And let's intentionally run after God together. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for loving us, Lord Jesus. Thank you for stepping out of heaven when you didn't have to. Oh God, thank you for walking before us.
dying the death that we should have died on the cross for our benefit. Just like Harriet, God, the, the spirit that she had that oh, made her go back over and over again, God, that first started with you, running after your people, saving your people, continually being with us. So God, right now, I pray for the person that's struggling, trying to run after you. I pray for the person that has never placed their faith in you. I pray for us all, God. Let us choose you today. Choose joy and run after you. With fervor, with all strength, knowing that you are the way, the truth, and life. God will give you glory. We thank you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus. We all say together. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.